Hello and welcome to another Tabletop Games Blog Saturday Review. As the Chancellor, I had the people on my side. The Empire was going to thrive and grow and be beautiful. Yet there were rumours of exiles stirring the provinces and hinterland, trying their best to claw back control. There were two visionaries, one stomping through the regions using brute force to exert their influence and letting the wolves loose on anyone who would get in their way, while the other was biding their time in the salt flats, enlisting the help of witches and unnatural powers, trying to glean secrets and waiting for the right moment to strike. Both were intent on taking over the Empire, because they both had sworn an oath by Coworley from Leader Games. I previously reviewed Oath, see the link below, but so far I only ever played it in digital form. I also only ever played a single chronicle, resetting everything to the beginning every time we played. So when I was finally able to meet my games group in person again, we decided that it was time to change all that. A friend of mine had backed Oath on Kickstarter, but we were never able to play it because of the pandemic. Seeing the components for the first time was amazing. The neoprene game board is gorgeous. The Battle Favor coins don't only have a nice weight and are decorated with wonderful designs, but they're also practical and designed to stack easily without toppling over. The player tokens, secrets and other wooden components are chunky and screen printed to give them a luxurious feel. The player boards are super thick and the cardstock is wonderful. The Kickstarter edition also came with card sleeves, which have a beautiful design on the back, but only along the edge, so you can still see the design of the back of the cards, which is especially crucial to know if you're drawing a vision card from the world deck. The game does take up quite a lot of space on the table, but it does deserve it. It all looks very impressive, and it feels great to reach across to place your warbands onto a site or to add denizens. It's such a luxurious feeling game that it would be a shame if it had been much smaller. The feeling of exploring this world would have been lost. I'm always amazed by how much depth there is in the world of Oath, despite it basically consisting of 8 side cards, randomly chosen from a deck of 23. Those alone can create interesting landscapes, where narrow paths can create a natural barrier for a region for example, or where the charming valley is a place where you, you as the song lyrics of Hotel California seem to predict. You could argue that the region cards alone don't create enough variability, but of course, each side is further changed as Denizen's cards are played. Placing the Wayside Inn in the Charming Valley can change things quite a bit, for example. There are so many cards in the game that you will always see something new, allowing to adjust the world and bend it to your will. Having played Oath quite a few times now, be it from the start each time, playing the physical copy was much the same. In fact, I felt it was much easier to pick up a card and read its text than it is possible in the digital implementation I've played. However, setting up the game takes a lot longer, even though I think we'll get faster the more we play it. That's especially true because we decided to set everything up for the next chronicle when we finished our game. That process did feel a bit long, but again, we'll get quicker the more we do it, and now that we saved the game, it'll be quicker to set up next time. I'm really looking forward to continuing into the next chapter when we play next and run a little campaign. Even though Oath called some chronicles, it is almost like a campaign game, but more in the sense of a role-playing campaign than a board game one. 
Overall, Oath is very much about the story you, as the players, weave. And even though you all compete and end up making pacts one round and break them the next, continue backstabbing each other and doing everything you can do to win the game, the story actually feels more important than winning. The names of sides and denizen cards, the illustrations and the way Oath is designed is all about stories. It makes it easy to imagine what is going on in this world when one player helps another player get the favour they need to retrieve the banner of the people's favour so that the third player can't win on the next turn. They may have the secret signal advisor, allowing them to gain two favour coins if they would otherwise only get one. If the second player gives them a cup of plenty in return for the favours they need to retrieve the banner, both players will benefit and they will have created an amazing moment in the story arc that Oath creates. These pacts that players might form to prevent another from winning are always only very short-lived, because as soon as one player's victory has been prevented, one of the others is likely to be in a good position to win. Suddenly, the player whose victory was blocked will work together with one of the players who stopped them from winning, just so that player 3 can't win on their turn. Yet, it never feels like backstabbing. Even people who hate direct negative player interaction will see that there is no point in them just focusing on their own victory if the game will never come back around to them and someone else will win before them. It's clear that that player needs to be stopped at all costs and you may have to work together to make it happen. Depending on the situation, you might be able to stop another player from winning while also manoeuvring yourself into a winning position. You might even decide that you will do nothing about the other player's victory, thereby forcing the next player's hand and making them do the dirty work for you, even though that can also backfire. The game will continue until someone does eventually win, either because the Chancellor rolls the right dice result, or because of a player's shrewd calculation and perfect timing, or because the game has lasted for its full 8 rounds, and then it's just a matter of using the tiebreaker. I must say, I still feel the Chancellor winning because of dice roll is a bit anticlimactic, but I do see that it creates a bit of more uncertainty about when the game might end, and chances are, the events leading up to the dice roll will have been exciting if players have played properly and done their best to stop the Chancellor in time, of course. So yes, I still love Oath, and I love it even more after having played the physical copy and been able to play with the wonderful components. The game gets extra special now that we've prepared for the next chronicle, and I can't wait to see where the story will take us next time. Thank you for listening to this Tabletop Games Blog Saturday Review Podcast. Please check the description below for links mentioned in this episode as well as to the written version of this article on the blog. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us some stars or leave a review. Please also tell your friends about me and if you want to offer financial support, check out my Patreon Ko-fi pages, links to which you'll find in the blog at tabletopgamesblog.com. So thank you again for listening and I hope to see you again soon. This podcast was made possible by the generous help of my Patreon supporters. Royal Patrons, Nicholas Higgins and Sean Newman. Magic Champion, Zeb Hicks. Castle Guards, David Miller and James Naylor. Dice Masters, Alex Bardi, Paul Grogan and Robin Kay. And Shining Lights, Gavin Jones, Sarah Reed, Richard Simpson and Tim Vernick.